0: Meanwhile, a recorded live in the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's Somewhere in Between, a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to our effort to try and remember. It's issue 47, The Gunpowder Plot. Remember, remember the etc. cliché. If you're an American, like me, you probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about English history. And, in fact, you may only know anything about today in reference to a movie, or, in my case, a comic book, that you saw a number of years ago?
1: People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people.
0: So, if V for Vendetta is your only point of reference, and if there's something about today that rings a faint bell in your memory that you just can't quite sort out, well, perhaps this episode is for you.
2: Woo! He's talking about me! I'm
0: going to try to give you a little bit of the background where England was politically that uh, made the gunpowder plot so significant. Uh, But to do that, I think I need to uh, actually call in someone who's a little better at history than me. So let's sit back and hear a little bit of English history that sets up the gunpowder plot.
3: 1603, and Queen Elizabeth I of England is dead. Since she had no children, the throne passed to the nearest available male Protestant heir, James VI of Scotland, the first monarch of the House of Stuart. By this point, he was 36, married with two sons, and had to deal with the difficulties that came with running three kingdoms. The most pressing issue was war with Spain, which James was keen to end and did so in 1604. James's accession was fairly uneventful, barring the main plot, which was one of the two plots which sought to overthrow him. It notably led to the arrest of Sir Walter Raleigh, the noted explorer who was at first sentenced to death, but this was commuted to life in prison. James's reign marks the beginning of what is known as the Union of the Crowns. England and Scotland were still distinct entities with their own parliaments, but since kings controlled foreign policy it meant that they would no longer go to war with each other. The England which James inherited was one which had over the past half a century seen continuous population growth from about 3 million to about 4.2 million. Agriculture couldn't keep up, the price of food skyrocketed and so his early reign saw some famines, but after this mass hunger largely disappeared from England. Those who struggled relied on the Elizabethan poor rate, which was a system of poor relief which gave things like food, wood for fuel and clothing to the poor. This led many to move from rural areas to the city, continuing the trend of increasing urbanisation. Cities had been growing steadily since the early Tudor period, five of which had populations over 10,000 by the time James took the throne. Unsurprisingly, London was the largest, boasting a population of about 200,000, which dwarfed England's second city, Norwich, whose population was only 15,000. One of the great issues facing James at his accession was the same as his predecessors, religion. In 1604, the Hampton Court Conference was called to answer a petition by Puritans and decide on any outstanding matters of doctrine. James was actually fairly responsive to the Puritans, who began to work within the structures of the church to achieve the reforms they wanted instead of simply moaning all of the time. The most important outcome of the conference was that it saw work begin on the authorised English translation of the Bible, better known as the King James Bible, which wasn't completed until 1611. The religious divide in England was not something that could be fixed by a simple conference. There were divisions amongst the Protestants, particularly between the Puritans and a newer group called the Arminians, which split the ruling classes. Furthermore, James quickly began to punish recusancy, which was when a Catholic refused to abide by the rules of the Church of England. James had made his position perfectly clear which had dashed the Catholic's hope of a more moderate monarch which in turn led to what was probably the most famous event of his reign, the gunpowder plot. The gunpowder plot was a conspiracy by 13 men, the two most notable being Sir Robert Catesby, the ringleader, and Guy Fawkes, to blow up the Houses of Parliament whilst the King was addressing it. The reasons for the plot aren't definitively known, but it was probably an attempt by hardline Catholics to kill a Protestant King as reprisal for their persecution. Famously, King James wasn't blown up, and Guy Fawkes was discovered with a bunch of gunpowder underneath Parliament and arrested. He was subsequently tortured into revealing his accomplices, who were shortly afterwards captured and executed. The next year, James and Parliament passed harsh laws against Catholics, but there was no intense persecution because he didn't want to upset the Catholic powers of Europe too much.
0: Everybody got that? Yeah, that was uh, rapid, as they say. But what you really need to know going into this is that the Catholics were on the out and uh, not very popular and didn't feel like they were being heard by the Church of England and also not very popular uh, was the current ruler of England. So uh, I think you have all of the pieces of the puzzle you need to get into the story at hand. So without further ado, let's bring you the gunpowder plot so you can kind of get a more in depth understanding of exactly why people keep talking about this day. UK Parliament and somewhere in between a radio scene bring you The Gunpowder Plot already in progress.
1: This is not my story. I'm Will Danby. You won't find my name in the history books. I was just a servant, see? Just a man who lit fires and poured wine for his master. Robert Catesby. I don't care what they say about him. He was a good man, brave, determined, strong, and I was proud to serve him. But he was guilty. They were all guilty. And I knew what they were planning and said nothing, told no one. So perhaps I was guilty too. They first came to my master's house in Lambeth London Town on the evening of the 20th of May 1605.
4: Let us in, Will. We have business with your master. This way, sir.
1: Master Catesby is expecting you. Three of them I recognized Thomas Percy, John Wright, and Thomas Wintour. But one was a stranger. A dark-haired man who seldom spoke.
2: Guy Fawkes, Master Catesby. I am pleased to meet you. Welcome, Master Fawkes. I've heard much about you. I am glad that you could join us. Will, serve wine to these gentlemen. Yes,
1: sir. Nobody notices a servant. When you're a servant, it's like being invisible. So sometimes you hear things. Things you're not supposed to hear.
4: The treatment of our true Catholic Church gets worse every day, Master Catesby. The new King James fears and hates us as much as Elizabeth did. Our priests are still in hiding and our people fined and jailed. Even put to death
2: if they refuse to accept the new religion. We
4: must take action against the King. Yes, Yes. I am prepared to do it. For my faith here today, I draw my sword against the King. And I... And I! And I!
2: And you, Master Fawkes, will you draw your sword against the King? What do you say? I say that we have to finish this persecution forever so that all Catholics can be free to worship in peace. Answer my question, Fawkes. Are you prepared to kill the King? The King? The government, the lords, and every Protestant tyrant who denies our freedom and spits on the true church. We have to kill them all. Kill them all? And how would you propose to do that, Master Fawkes? Gunpowder, sir. 30 barrels of gunpowder in a cellar under the House of Lords. The state opening of Parliament. They'll all be there. The king and all our enemies in one room then all it takes is a match one
4: single match one tiny spark and bang all gone
1: That's when I should have said something, that's when I should have told someone, but I didn't. Over the next few weeks, a plot started to take shape.
4: We have the gunpowder, Master Catesby. Fawkes has purchased 34 barrels, enough to blow the whole place to a million pieces. We're bringing it across the river in small boats, a few barrels every night. A cellar has been hired right under the House of Lords. I have the keys here. It's the perfect place for the gunpowder. The state opening of Parliament is to be November the 5th, and our 34 barrels will be in place. That will be the day, gentlemen. November the 5th will be our day. We'll need matches and slow-burning touchwood, so our man can light the fuse and still have time to escape before the whole place explodes. And who will be our man? Who will be the one to light the fuse?
2: I will do it, gentlemen. Master Fawkes, you are prepared to do this? You're sure? I am sure. It will be an honour.
1: On November the 4th, the night before the attack, I dreamt of Guy Fawkes. In my dream, he was walking through the cellar under Parliament with his lantern and his matches. In my dream, I saw him stand before the barrels of gunpowder and light his fuse. I heard a mighty explosion and felt the heat of the fire on my face Ah! 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 Then I woke, I was trembling. I knew that I should tell someone, warn the king of this terrible thing which was about to happen. to my shame, I did nothing. They were all guilty, and I was guilty too. That night I tried to pray but could not find the words.
0: Thank you for your patience as we bring you side two of The Gunpowder Plot. The story of how England was almost Overthrown. We appreciate that you are listening to Somewhere in Between, a radio zine, a program that we feel very passionate about, and we hope that you do too. We know you have many listening options when you sit down to enjoy an audio broadcast, and we hope that Somewhere in Between, a radio zine continues to be among the ones that you Listen to. Now, the UK Parliament and somewhere in between a radio zine bring you the gunpowder plot already in progress.
1: November the 4th, 1605. After my nightmare, I lay awake knowing that the next day the King and the whole of Parliament would be blown to pieces. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I could see it all in my imagination. But I didn't know about the letter. Somebody had sent a letter to Lord Monteagle, telling him not to go to Parliament the next day, warning him that something terrible was going to happen. Tomorrow this Parliament shall receive a terrible blow. And yet they shall not see who hurts them. The letter was not signed. Monteagle took it to the king, and from that moment the gunpowder plot was doomed. The captain of the guard ordered his men.
4: Find it. Search every attic and cellar. Open every door in Parliament. Throw open everything from the greatest hall to the smallest cupboard. Shine your torches into every nook and cranny. Go! Now! Yes, Captain! There is a threat to the King hidden in Parliament. Find it, sir! Find it tonight! Find it now! Come on!
1: In a cellar under the House of Lords, directly under the hall where the King would have sat the next day, they found Guy Fawkes.
4: There! Seize that man! Bind his arms!
1: And hidden under a pile of firewood, they found the 34 barrels of gunpowder. Fawkes had a watch, touchwood, and matches in his pocket. They took him to the Tower of London, where the machines of torture and Sir Edward Cook were waiting.
4: He didn't stand a chance. Who were the other traitors, Fawkes? Give us their names and we will not hurt you.
2: There were no others. I was working alone.
1: Three days. They say he told them nothing for three days.
4: Their names, forks.
2: I was alone.
1: Till on the third day He broke.
2: Thomas Percy. Thomas Wintour. John Wright. Robert Catesby.
1: So now they had my master's name. Robert Catesby put up a fight when the king's men tracked him down, but he was outnumbered
4: and they shot him,
1: dead. I wept for my master, but at least I knew he had a quick death. The others were not so lucky. I was there, at the trial, in Westminster Hall. I saw them brought in. Heard them condemned for high treason. Heard, too, their confessions and the Terrible sentences that were passed upon them.
4: A bitter fate awaits any man who is guilty of high treason. These plotters, these conspirators, these vile traitors shall be dragged through the streets to Old Palace Yard in Westminster, and there they will be hanged.
1: I was there to see Guy Fawkes and three others die in the old palace yard, right next to the parliament building they'd wanted to blow up. Traitors are made to suffer before they die. They are hanged, drawn and quartered. Their bodies are cut open while they are still alive. I will not tell you of the terrible things I saw that day, but I still shudder when I remember how those men died. I knew what they were planning, you see. If they were all traitors, then so was I. And if they truly deserved that terrible death, then perhaps I did too. And now, we Catholics will not be trusted for a hundred years. They will stop us from practising law or becoming officers in the army. Soon, they will stop us from voting. For the next hundred years, we Catholics will be blamed for every fire and plague in England. And the plotters, their names are already forgotten, except one. Where the people will remember Guy Fawkes. The king ordered bonfires to be lit, to remember the night His Majesty was saved from certain death. And now, on November the 5th every year, people light their fires and burn effigies of Guy Fawkes, the man who waited in the dark, with matches and touchwood in his pocket the man who came within a whisker of changing England forever.
0: Now, this would be historically where I would insert a clip from V for Vendetta and make the case that every once in a while you do need to protest your government's actions and that you do need to make some actual impactful activist-type statements and actions to make things happen in the world around you. But I am also recording this after January 6th, and it's very difficult for me to make the case anymore that you need to take decisive political action in public when uh, we've seen the kinds of results when someone does... Encourage people to do something like that. Of course, I don't want to necessarily make the case that you can't do some sort of decisive political action in the world around you when it is necessary, because it is often necessary, especially for those who are underdogs and especially for those of us who feel like we are on the edge of losing our country in a very major way to ideas and to actions that are not only exclusive but exclude a number of people who have been excluded for years and years and years. Perhaps there is no greater point that I can make about how you should particularly celebrate November 5th, but I do want to make the case that on this day, maybe we should consider what it means to challenge our governments, what it means to stand up for beliefs that are important to you. What it means to participate within a system and what it means to challenge that system. And when we do those things, the way we do them and choose to behave around our protests certainly speaks almost as much about us as anything else we do in life. The causes that we do support, the causes that we do feel strongly about, The causes that mean something to us are things that we can't just ignore. We can't just forget. We have to remember. And sometimes the fights we take on are entirely symbolic. Entirely played out in courts. Entirely played out in laws and bills that are passed. So be it. Whatever fight we need to undertake to make sure that things work out in the end. That's what we need to remember on this day.
4: You gotta fight for your right to party.
0: Or something like that, I guess. Uh, happy November. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between a radio zine. The Gunpowder Plot. Issue 47. Contained, The Gunpowder Plot. Written and assembled by Austin Rich. Hopefully you remembered to set your clocks back the other day. Can you believe we're still doing that? I could have sworn we even voted on this a few years ago. And yet, here we still are. It just goes to show, in spite of popular assertions made in music, time is not on our side. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story, music, or poetry that you'd like to send in or read, or you just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com? That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. Without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you.